It was someone who was autistic who eventually told me, like, you literally you're autistic. Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. Hi, Sophie. Welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you today? Hello. Yeah, I'm okay. Thank you. Um, I'm really glad to be here. Um, Yeah, I guess like I'm okay, but I'm a a little bit shit, I guess, as it comes with Mm -hmm. being ill. But I'm glad to be here in sort of like a half present state because I feel like so often sick people aren't represented um, in these spaces. So, yeah, I am grateful to be here. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm really glad that we've managed to like make time work and make sure that we can, you know, do this to our best of our abilities. And I think it's going to be a really good chat and I'm really looking forward to it. Me too. (laughs) So the first question that I ask absolutely every single guest is how do you refer to your own disability? So the short story is I'm chronically ill and neurodivergent and I'm a wheelchair user. Mm -hmm. Um, the I guess like bit of like next level lap down of detail yeah. is so um chronic illness wise I've got ME and fibromyalgia uh-huh. um so people might be more familiar actually with long COVID a lot of long COVID cases yeah. are ME um it's like a post-viral condition that basically causes chronic fatigue that doesn't get better with rest you have to manage it with rest but it doesn't actually get better you yeah. see very refreshing and you get a lot of um chronic pain and things like that um and like the the hallmark symptom is actually post-exertional malaise so it's like it's not just like tired and you need to push through it's like the more you do the worse you get it feels like you're being poisoned your body is just like not producing energy properly um and then fibromyalgia is more like nerve pain um and things like that um and then neurodivergent wise um I'm got ADHD and I'm also autistic as well Uh um and I only kind of realized that quite a lot later in life like I'd already graduated university um they can actually um it's sort of said that they can kind of hide each other um and yeah and I'm not a guy either so um you know don't really fit the stereotypical profile but I guess I'd say autism well it's a social and communication disorder is I kind of describe it as like a little bit like being an alien it's kind (laughs) of like it's kind of like you never you never got the social manual of like how to do things and everyone kind of knows how but you're like trying to work it out by trial and error and like I kind of academicized if that's even a word like social things I studied psychology so all of that um and it's like a lot of sensory stuff as well kind of like there's so much sensory information that you basically can't really process it. Or, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I'm oversimplifying a bit, but that's kind of some of the things. And then ADHD is, it's, it's people think of it as like an attention deficit disorder because that's what it stands for. But yeah. it's more like you can't really direct your attention <laughs> where you want it to go. Um, okay. So sometimes it can be like way too much attention on one thing. Um, and you're like really hyper focusing on it. I mean, too much. You know what I mean? Yeah. It could, the right amount for whatever you want. But, um, <laughs> but also, you you can get like really distracted by loads of things. It's kind of like your attention is being pulled in so many different ways at once, and you have like so many thoughts at the same time, rather than just like, oh, like I can't concentrate on it. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah it makes like a lot of stuff hard like if things are, like out of the picture like I forget they exist um and yeah stuff like that and then I kind of have some like mental health problems and stuff but probably mainly from these things being realized later in yeah. life and like they're not being cured for my illness and stuff um so yeah I have like quite a collection which seems like a lot but also they quite often come together actually I was um, about to say it yeah. kind of sounds like it all at some point comes hand in hand or they're at least somewhat linked together in some way shape or form yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people have um, autism and ADHD or like some range of like neurodivergences. And I don't have EDS, but that's like quite a linker with like chronic illness. Like I'm, yeah. I think I'm a bit hypermobile, maybe on like the lower end of the spectrum. But um, quite often you get people who are autistic. They've got EDS. Um, so like you, uh, I know you spoke to someone else who has that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think it's something like that that can make your immune system maybe a bit more leaky so then it's more likely to like yeah. break down and then you're like chronically ill and stuff so that's kind of like the connector but uh-huh. yeah I just have so many things like I even forget to mention that I have like IBS as well like and it's just like all of these things just come together because basically I'm just sensitive like that's my disability yeah. is I am sensitive yeah <laughs> and I think that that's a really good way of putting it it's like yes you do have all these like hall markers left right and center but actually at baseline it's actually just because you're sensitive like if you know if the world was like less intense and like less like stimulating and and you know over processed and I mean that in terms of stimulation some of the things that you experience you might not experience to that certain degree because mm. you know the world is like hyper stimulized for for everyone but people like yourself who are more neurodivergent or you know have diagnosis of some form of neurodivergence they find it almost like it's it's completely different but it's still a lot yeah absolutely and um, my disability like I guess level or whatever yeah. really varies like depending on the environment so if I'm at mm-hmm. home I can control it a lot more like obviously I'm not going to have some fluorescent lighting or something but then you put me in like an open plan office and then it's like oh wow like I'm really disabled by I mean I can't yeah. even properly really work but you know what I mean um yeah, yeah it, it's like very environment dependent with quite a lot of things and I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that you got di- like your diagnosis of uh, you know a couple of these things was a bit later on in life and I was going to go on to ask you what was it like for you in childhood so so you get a diagnosis a bit later that it can I think it can kind of spin a lot of of how you viewed the world in like your younger years and how was that for you if you don't mind talking about it yeah um I think what's hard is like I was quite good at school um Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of things don't get noticed because you're quite high achieving yeah Um, then it's like oh you find things quite easy and all of this but it's like there was a lot of anxiety and mental health problems going on there was a lot of like um social issues like just not quite fitting in with some people and like some bullying and stuff and I think we're kind of from like age 15 I was starting to like really struggle you know start when you start getting like GCSEs and like all of that um I feel like I've lost my train of thought with this (laughs) um but yeah I just classic a little car just went by outside just like all of my attention um but yeah I feel like honestly you're gonna have to edit this like tiny bit. do not honestly do oh, not worry about it because I think that actually 
this is a perfect representation as well because I don't want it to be like filtered and edited. I want this to be like your experience, what it's like for you so that other people at some level maybe be able to understand that this is your reality. Yeah. And maybe that will help benefit someone in the future. You're really right. And it's so hard. And it's like today I was like, oh, should I like get dressed in something or should I be more realistic and like be in pajamas and things like that? Because I feel like when you kind of want to tell your story, you want to kind of tell it in the best way that you can to be best understood. But then also sometimes that can mean like editing out like parts of your disabilities, which is also not helpful either. Yeah, exactly. Like a hundred percent. Yeah. But um, yeah, going back to autism, ADHD things and stuff, I feel like it made a lot of sense in hindsight, knowing that they were the issues. And I really wish that I'd known a lot earlier because I feel like you think a lot of it is you um, and you're the problem. And you just don't like I. it, it was someone who was autistic who eventually told me, like, you literally you're autistic when I was asking the question like literally what is wrong with me I don't understand why things are so much easier for some people and I find them so hard like we just had loads of meetings they were like a colleague at the time and it was like um we were in a fluorescently lit room and then I was like hiding under a blanket and just being like oh it's too bright too many people like too many meetings and stuff and it's just like if I'd have known those things earlier I actually think a lot of the mental health problems could have been managed a lot better and I I I would have felt a lot better because I would have known what I could potentially do about things and that's why I think it's really beneficial whether you're it doesn't matter if you're self-diagnosed or officially diagnosed or whatever I think the most important thing is that then you can take steps to manage things and make your environment better um and also access community I think is another is another thing yeah and it like as you said just then talking about like your meeting and like you would have been able to manage that kind of thing better how have all of your disabilities like how have you managed to go into the career that you chose with all of that as well because I always think about when when you're younger and when you're like you know 15 16 17 18 it's such a formative like time in your life and for Mm. quite a lot particularly females because I haven't really had this conversation with any men but quite a lot of females tend to get different diagnoses around that time because that's puberty, right? That's when things are all changing, your body changes, and that's when people notice things might not be quite the way that everybody else is. And, you know, that diagnosis can lead on to having ramifications with where they choose their career path to be. And I was wondering, did it have anything, did did any of that like sway you to go in one career or one direction or was it like that was never really like an issue or a thought for you? Um, it's definitely been issued. There's like multiple things because it's like, how does autism and ADHD affect things? And then it's kind yeah. of like getting ill. And like most people with ME uh, either can't work or have to work really reduced hours. And I can yeah. I can get onto that a little bit more. But first, I guess, oh, being ADHD, I'm so chaotic and indecisive. I feel like I feel like I kind of set myself up for really high pressure, stressful environments because I want something like quite stimulating. Mm -hmm. But then also, you know, you want it to be like within your control and everything. But sometimes, especially when you're like a young person going into the the world of work, you know, you're not really in a in a high position or anything. You know, you're in quite uh, either you're doing something quite boring or like me I went into some startups to have some have like a bigger role and more exciting yeah. but then it's like really really high pressure and my anxiety and everything was bad and then I got chronically ill yeah. um but um I 
I don't know that I studied psychology at university literally because I couldn't make my mind up um, mm-hmm. and I wanted to take lots of different modules from different disciplines because mm-hmm. I guess like the thing that I just find really interesting is putting loads of different things together yeah um, and seeing things from new angles like making new connections that other people don't see and also researching things and I think for a long time I thought um, like especially because people who are autistic quite often have like a special interest and things like that um that it's quite clear like the path you want to go into and I and I guess one of my interests really is like disability things yeah Um, of course of course yeah um but also at the same time I actually feel like what I've only come to realize later um since like realizing um that I've got ADHD and I'm autistic and stuff is actually I really like this process of researching mm-hmm. um so that's why um when I kind of had, had to stop working um like a nine to five um that's why I've done like a bit of the journalism side of things yeah. um and some of the online content creation I mean I've always really loved fashion and things like that so I think when I couldn't really work, I kind of returned to a lot of interests that I had before that I'm, you know, a bit more on the side and then I've kind of brought them a bit more into focus, like even like watching films and stuff. And and now I do a few things on um, like autistic representation in films. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but um, so they have, they have influence. And I think also, Oh, sorry, I'm rambling quite a lot, but there's there's a lot. There's there's been so many influences. Honestly, honestly, <laughs> like it's great when people want to talk. It's so great <laughs> when people want to talk about it. Like it's so much more awkward when people will give me like a two sentence answer, and I'm like, <laughs> oh like, my no, god, no effect. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, cool. <laughs> like next question. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, the the thing I actually originally wanted to do is firstly I wanted to be a lawyer, which I think is like maybe what you get in your head when you're at school and especially if you're like quite a high achiever you're like oh yeah. what should be the thing that I'm meant to do you know and then I was like no I actually don't think the law is very just um and I was like I want to do criminal psychology and all of this and then like I kind of I always thought I was like quite this resilient person because I was quite high achieving I don't know those things are sort yeah. of meant to go t- together and then I actually realized oh no I'm actually really sensitive yeah <laughs> and I actually just don't think I could have really manage in like a prison setting or like even being a therapist just like dealing with a lot of people's problems all the time I don't think I could have managed even if it's something I like and care about I think a lot uh, I don't know I take a lot I absorb it I'm a bit like a sponge um so definitely sort of finally coming to terms with that like oh my god you're actually disabled you're not like some superhuman um really did influence like where I went with things but I was only finding my feet before I stopped working like I'd only worked for like um three years I got I'm about to be 28 and I got ill like three years ago and then I'd worked for like three years before um but yeah it's really hard it's really hard working with chronic illness um Mm -hmm. because like you really I feel like basically our existence is anti-capitalist. Um, yeah. It's just like we don't fit within the capitalist system. We can't keep up. Like the wages are calculated based on like what it costs to live, but also like mm-hmm. what people are expected to be able to work. Yeah. Um, but like if you can't work that number of hours, then like you can't really support yourself financially. Um, and it's, I don't know, it's just like the work that you do is all based on like how much money really that you're generating not like the value of Mm -hmm. your ideas like the amount of um 
like time that we spend like on like medical admin or you're like chasing and educating doctors but none of that gets paid you know um so yeah it's really hard and you're kind of get you get pushed into um freelance work really because that is the only thing that your body can like support so you can do it from home in your own environment and you know you can you can take breaks between different articles maybe not take some work on for a time because you're ill but that's unstable as well because then you don't get sick pay or things like that so it's it it is really hard and that's not to say there's like not some really good employers out there who are offering like remote work and like a three-day we kind of like really supportive but yeah definitely not in the events industry that I was in which was yeah (laughs) it's so true what you're saying though because I remember speaking to Nina Tame about this Mm. and the way that she (laughs) like explained like the work system and the reason that we still have the work system today is because of Victorian capitalism Mm. that's why our working hours are like you know it's nine to five or eight to four and that's because that's when sun would rise and sun would set so if you were in a factory they wouldn't have to put the lights on or they wouldn't have to put electricity on because there is natural light and that is how we have like you know that's how the working world started and we just have not changed it to to come up with the 21st century standards Mm. and it's the same for you know, like chronically ill, disabled people, if you were disabled back in the Victorian times, you were dead because you could not work. And that that's not me being harsh. That's me being very factual. Like that's how it was. And that's how we still work today. And yet we are, you know, society's come on leaps and bounds since the Victorian era, particularly with disability. It's still got a very, very long way to go, but we're nowhere near where we were back then. However, the way that we work and the way that we expect particularly disabled people to work has not changed where it needs to. So that's why I'm always interested in asking about people's careers and the way that they work, because it's almost like I want to highlight that it's not the same for everyone. People Mm. like this nine to five, this hustle (laughs) culture is so unsustainable for so many people that it's so detrimental. Yeah, and I feel like disabled people kind of become a bit of the scapegoat, if that's the right yeah. word, um, because people are having frustrations with capitalism. Like they're realizing unconsciously or consciously that they're being exploited. Like yeah. their, you know, their money is being taken off their labor, um, and you know they're frustrated with how much they need to work to live and all of that. And then they see someone who is maybe too sick to work, and they think oh, you're being lazy. I want to be just like that. And it's like, you know, actually it is a huge struggle not being able to properly financially support yourself and have options and choice and like freedom to exist as a disabled person. When the issue is capitalist society, the rigid culture that we have around um, work and all of this. Um, So I feel like that, you know, if we, if we work together, a lot more yeah um then it would be better but it's frustrating you know um even labor like the labor party it's like the working class it's like what if you're actually too sick to work a lot or yeah. probably you know what I mean it's like you're left out of the conversation but actually this is like a really really key point that like you shouldn't have to work to be able to live yeah exactly Ex- exactly that with you talking about your diagnosis coming a bit later in life I was wondering are you able to speak about how that came about for you 
Um, what in terms of like where it just came? like in terms of how like you know how did you get to the point of diagnosis? Like doctors, like was it you that went to the doctors or did like how did that whole process work? Yeah. Um, well, it's been long. I mean, with one of them, I don't even have a diagnosis yet. I've been on a waiting list for years, and it okay. kind of gets to the point where you're like, I could wait five years and then talk about this. Or yeah. I could talk about this now, this thing I'm pretty sure that I have that mm-hmm. anyway, um, this thing that I'm pretty sure I had rather than waste all my time. Yeah, of waiting. course. But um, yeah, um, well, when I first had this friend tell me, I think you're autistic. So they're, they're a woman and they'd been diagnosed recently themselves. They're mm-hmm. probably one of the first autistic women I'd ever met. Yeah. Um, and we were very similar we got on instantly and um that was really eye-opening for me in terms of like what it could look like in someone else Uh, yeah um I mean I'm actually non-binary but like at the time I thought I was a woman um but um yeah so that was really eye-opening but the thing is is I didn't really realize how hard it was going to be going through the medical system so Mm -hmm. I just went to my GP I didn't really prepare anything I just said I think I'm autistic and they were like why and you know what I'm like a little bit I'm really bad when I'm on the spot because my mind just goes completely blank and I tried to say some things and then she laughed at me and she was like your eye contact is too good to be autistic I don't think you're autistic um so yeah I, I actually didn't go back for another yeah like couple of years or something because I was so scared about the same thing happening again um and it's like you know it's a 10 minute appointment like you you like tell me you know someone in depth after 10 minutes yeah um like people have this preconceived idea of what something is meant to look like mm-hmm. um you know and it's mainly just like little like white boys uh which yeah. obviously you're not if you're like older and you spent like a really long time learning social things um, and you're like way better at masking. So that's a big issue. I was really lucky that I found an autistic GP, oh, okay. um, which I was so excited about. Um, and he was the one who referred me um, and for ADHD as well. So that was really good. And I feel like I was able to get into the system there, but I feel like a lot of people might not have found a good GP or something. Yeah. And also, you know, there's a lot of, I I know people talk about it, like it's a trend, um, but it's only because more people are getting seen now. Like it's realized more what what these neurodivergences can look like um, beyond the stereotypes. Um, But there's still, especially autism, I think, because it's like a social disability, really. It's very, it's got a lot of social stigma attached to it. Um, It's not like the type of, fun thing that you want I mean I don't know I guess all I'm saying is I respect if you actually just don't want to go down the diagnosis yeah of course um because you know I want to say self-diagnosis is valid and things like that because you're not you're not taking away from anyone else you know people don't just lightly attach these labels to themselves like especially not autistic people who (laughs) probably love doing research into things yeah you know and it's like I think it's more valuable sometimes if you have like a conversation with people who are autistic or like do loads of research on the internet and like see what these things can look like. And like, if you really, really relate to that and that answers a lot of questions that you probably had about like, why am I different? Like, what is this? I don't get it. 
someone explain yeah. it then that's like that's that's really beneficial but um I think the issue with it taking so long um you know the diagnostic process taking so long is then it means that you can't really get support in the workplace or in school like unless you have the diagnosis yeah. and sometimes they pay for private so then you can like speed it up but obviously I'd already finished university annoyingly um mm. so yeah it's I don't know I guess I'm just saying it's really hard and yeah. it's difficult and like there can be some benefits to like support and things but I uh, more like in terms of like reasonable adjustments but I like you don't necessarily really you don't really get that much especially if you're um getting it later and like there's nothing yeah. stopping people being like actually this um access measure really helps me I can ask for it I don't have to like prove with a piece of paper unless it's some sort of official thing but you know in your everyday life you could you could just ask people um to do that and it's helpful and that's great yeah so a bit of a ramble but um yeah it's a good question I'm glad you asked I think it's really important, particularly women, to talk about autism because, you know, and I mean that if they feel comfortable talking about autism, because I know that it shows up very differently in men and in women. So like a bit of exclusive information for all of you podcast listeners. Oh, my God, that was really cringe. Edit that out. (laughs) Um, I work in autism. So like part and parcel of my job is working with particularly autistic adults. And I know that it's it presents itself so differently in men and in women. And that's why I was asked, I wanted to ask this question because females who get diagnosed, it's such a, it's so difficult because it presents so differently. So like what you were saying about the eye contact and masking is that women are, you know, they, they learn these social coping mechanisms far quicker than boys do. But then it sometimes comes to a point where even when women themselves don't really realize if they're masking or if that's just a part of who they are. And mm. I think that's so like, it's such an interesting like concept that we, and you're so right with what you say <laughs> is that like autism and ADHD, what, what is your first picture in your mind? It's like the naughty little schoolboy in the back of the class. And it's just not like that for everyone at all. Yeah. And I think it's also important to mention as well. I kind of think that people learn to mask by necessity um if there is like more consequences to um basically making a social error and I don't think it's just women it could be like people who are black people of color um it could be that you're like uh trans well actually there's a lot of connection between being trans and autistic but you know you could be like LGBT plus in a way Mm -hmm. like I don't think that it's just women are doing things differently I think there's like there's like a lot more to the picture yeah. that like might um hide people being autistic a lot more because you know if if, if like there's a potential threat out there you really yeah. need to learn how to detect it uh uh-huh. yeah I like I, I I love having these conversations mm-hmm. I learn something new every single time I have them so I personally believe that through any form of hardship if you can look back and think of one positive about yourself that you are really proud of or how you handled a situation, then you've learned something about yourself. And I was wondering for you through any time of hardship, have you learned like a particular positive attribute about yourself that actually you're very proud of? Um, I think I'm, I think you're always just proud that you like see it through to another day. Um, like I think you know I've been through quite a lot of difficult things 
that never really end. <laughs> um, but, you know, just to like keeping going is really important. And I think also like the whole process of everything has also made me like more um, empathetic and like understanding of other people and accommodating. Like, I don't know, it just, I feel like I describe it sometimes as like falling down the back of the sofa or something. Like, you know how like the remote falls down the side or something? I feel like I've gone down the side and then it's like, kind of like slip down the back of society and it's like really opened your eyes to how things work and just like some things that aren't fair and like different ways that people see things mm-hmm. so I think um yeah it's really uh what's the word been like a paradigm shift uh-huh. yeah oh I think that's that's like a really interesting spin on things and I like what you say about like you you almost you feel like you've been a remote that's fallen down the side of the sofa where you then you've been able to look at things from a completely different perspective and it's it's shown you what can work for you but also what absolutely does not work at all and actually that's quite an important position to be in particularly when you have to go and explain not that you should ever have to explain but like when you have to go and explain things that you want need and or doesn't work for you and, and as to why because you're able to be like actually these things don't work for me for these reasons. Now we need to make a change. So let's let's do that from this way. And I think that's a, a brilliant thing to have, being able to explain as to why. Mm. And also, can I actually add another thing while you're making me think? Um, I think also like one response that I've received quite a few times, annoyingly, when people find out about my illness and stuff, is like, oh, like I couldn't do that. I don't mm. know how you do it. Like the whole like, I would rather be dead um but I think like it's honestly amazing how like you can just like adapt um and yeah I just think that that's a really like incredible thing that we do and I guess a silly thing also to go off I'm just going off on tangents but anyway my cat is disabled now um like a few years ago she got epilepsy and she got arthritis and all of these things and like she can't jump up on things anymore she has to pull herself up or she has to like tap the sofa and get attention to like yeah and like she you know it's not like she's read a book on this she's a cat but she's she's just like instinctively like adapted based on her abilities and like what's possible we're not forcing herself to do things and like sort of listening to her body and I think like I notice like myself doing those sort of things and like see that in other disabled people as well. And that makes me like, you know, just like really proud how we've adapted despite no one being like, Oh, like this is what you could do. We've just like figured it out. Um, and that is a tricky process and we should be um, proud of ourselves for doing that. I always say that nobody gives you a handbook when they're like, you're now disabled. It's not like you get a handbook that's like, these are the things that you can do. These are the things that you can't do. You should try this. That does not exist. Like it's very much a case of trial and error. And it's again, completely down to the individual. Yeah, because you all have had to work out loads of things for yourself as well. I know you were like born with your disability. So it wasn't less like a, I could do this and now I can't do that. But like, surely you watch other people and you're just like, oh, like I can't do it quite like that. Yeah. A lot of it for me is watching how other people, like particularly in the gym, this is where it like really comes into play. I really need to see how an able body moves so that I can then apply it to my own body. Because I'm, and it's like, I need to see it from different angles. So I need to see like what joints are moving and like what's Mm. bending and what shouldn't bend and like, what's snapping and what definitely shouldn't snap so that I can attempt to Mm. 
to replicate that with my body because my body doesn't work the same. Like people like to think that, oh, like it's Brooke, she's only got one hand. And I'm like, yeah, but after that, you don't see the issues that I have with my back, the issues that I have with my knees. Like there's a lot of other things going on. Physically, the hand doesn't exist. The rest of my body because of that is obviously skewed. So like there's a lot of other things that go on, but yeah, you're completely right. Completely. Well, that's cool. It's like a like a translation process in a way. Yeah, completely. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely trying to translate what would be like the average non-disabled person's movement into my movement is completely different. And interestingly, from the other adaptive athletes that I know as well, it's all different for them as well. So like no two adaptive athletes tend to work out in the same way, which I always find super intriguing because, you know, their disabilities are on paper are identical, but the mm. way that they move is completely different, which is just like, it goes back down to that individual thing. Yeah. And I think that that's incredible. Because even if you look at like able-bodied athletes, like they have like different techniques and different things um, that they do as well. Yeah. And it's the exact same for us too. And, and, it, and it translates to all of our life as well. Like, obviously I'm applying this very much to the gym because that's where I spend quite a lot of my time. But like that applies to all of life as well, like opening and closing doors, all of like, you know, things that are super menial that a lot of people don't necessarily think about driving a car, all of that kind of stuff is completely different. Yeah. And I think it's like so underrated, this in-depth knowledge that we have about our bodies. Like this is what I was saying, like a little bit about going back to the career thing is it's kind of like, you know, there are certain things that are paid, which maybe we're not able to do, but um we can add like so much value in other ways it's just that it's not like seen as useful supposedly for capitalism or something you know it's just kind of like a raise this knowledge that we have and by medical professionals and things like that but it's like at the end of the day a disabled person knows their body best yeah absolutely I like to ask every guest do they have a bit of advice for either and or so probably both Mm -hmm. a younger version of themselves and a younger person with the same disability as themselves Hmm. it's so hard because I kind of just want to be like ah why did you get so stressed by everything like it didn't matter um but I think oh it's hard because I feel like you know a lot of those things also weren't my fault you know they're just like the environment that you're in and kind of like I think with Emmy as well you know part of you wants to say like just like why didn't you rest loads and then you wouldn't have like maybe got Emmy but it's so hard and I really don't want to go down Shoulda, that woulda, couldas are like a thing of the past yeah I, and I guess like the advice that I would give is that like no one is actually really looking out for you apart from like you like you have to like put down boundaries you have to like fight for yourself in like a medical and a work setting like you can't like it's just not worth like doing all these things to like please your employer like I know obviously people in different positions they want to hold on to their roles like that's what happened to me you know you have to put up with things but um yeah I guess like just kind of like realizing like you know you have to like put these boundaries down for yourself like you have to be firm with them like you know what's best for yourself um but also like understanding that it's not your fault as well yeah 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 I think that's a really important one is that it's not your fault yeah like 
Sometimes the world isn't, uh, I say sometimes, that's not, that's a, that's a fucking lie. This world is not built for disabled people. So don't feel discouraged when you feel like you're on the outside looking in because that's the reality of it. But reach out and like find your disabled community because that's a good one as well. Like you will find that the disabled community has the best sense of humor out of any people I know. Fact. Like, and like so lovely like you like I have like some friends online who like I have this one friend who we actually just send like snail pictures to each other like that's like <laughs> the basis of our friendship <laughs> and then we'll like chat about some other things as well but it's like so nice to have people who get it yeah um and that you don't have to keep explaining things to you that like aren't saying weird things to you all the time you can just like be and you don't have to like I guess your disability is not like the focus of everything. That's not like the conversation all the time. You can just send pictures of snails. (laughs) (laughs) So I have like a particular set of questions that whenever someone asks me, I tend to either laugh, scream or cry. Rarely Mm. crying, but quite often it's like laughter or screaming. So recently someone asked me if they could cut up my food at dinner because they didn't think that I could cut up my own food. And I was in a restaurant as well. So this was like out in public, right? And I was wondering, are there any particular questions that you find people ask you that are maybe a bit too much or a bit weird or you kind of just have to laugh them off? Yeah, I feel like there's some questions, but also like statements. Like I think the classic questions are like the the really invasive ones where they're just like, what's wrong with you? What happened? Like all of this. And it's like, you actually don't need to know and it's like a really traumatic answer that I would not like to like (laughs) get into thank you um but I think what I find most annoying maybe is like yeah statements like unsolicited advice like there's a place for advice maybe sometimes you know more about a thing than someone else maybe someone's really new to something like yeah I like a UTI lately and I was asking for advice because I hadn't had one before you know Mm -hmm. but it's like if you've had this disability for like years and there's just someone else who doesn't have the same and they're just like oh like, have you tried yoga I was literally about to say is it that oh do you, you try yeah. yoga or like tai chi yeah. oh so many I've had someone recommend like sourdough bread and it's like I don't even eat gluten like <laughs> it's ridiculous um yeah I just I think people think that they have control over their health um that is what the media pushes all the time it's kind of what like capitalism pushes as well and um, people just think that they're like I mean, like to an extent, you have like a bit of responsibility over your health, you know. But, you know, people are also existing in tricky situations where they're really stressed, you know. Yeah. Again, not your fault. Um, But it's like you actually like my chronic illnesses don't have a cure. Like people haven't researched them. Like Mm -hmm. if it was as simple as doing yoga, like I would not have had this for three years already. And there wouldn't be like so many thousands hundreds of thousands of people with long covid if it was as simple as like going for a walk and also exercise like literally makes these things worse I feel like people I know I know you do love exercise <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but like people think that it's good for like every body yeah. like they, they think like this health advice will work for everyone just because it works for them they're like when I'm tired I go on a run and it's like okay like that will put me in bed for a week like yeah. that is not the answer um so yeah I hate that but I also actually can I say a few things that I hate go yeah crack on crack on yeah um I actually well the thing is this how are you question I don't know basically any about this I 
I appreciate you asking because you know you're disabled as well but I actually it's a question I actually avoid a lot of the time because I'm like Uh I don't know and I don't know what is like the appropriate thing of like I'm actually like I'm okay but I'm like a bit terrible like I've got chronic illnesses and like loads of infections that like keep like that haven't gone and it's Uh just like I don't know it's it's a hard question. So it's not one that I hate, but it's one that I avoid. I kind of like a hope you're okay, question mark yeah. um, thing. Um, but what I hate more is when people like get well soon or like get better. And it's just like, I won't. It's like a chronic illness. Yeah. Or when people are like, oh, or, or the, the how are you is okay. But if you ask it like, how are you? Yeah. That is when it's absolutely not okay in the bin because it's just like I don't know like and it it always comes from people that I don't like know that well and it's kind of like I'm not going to get into these in-depth personal things of like the intricate failings of my body with you right now um so I don't really know what people want I feel like some people just like say these things so they feel bad about themselves and they're not really like thinking about the other person and not not so much like just a general like how are you like people you know it's more just my complications with it but it's just like you know when people like I've checked in with the sick person you know and it's just like yeah it's almost like virtue signaling yes exactly um but on the on the flip side as well another thing that I hate and I think is such a problem is like how people are like accusing lots of disabilities of being like a trend now because they're big online and I'm seeing it a lot with autism and I'm seeing it a lot with chronic illness and I think and and even ADHD and I think it's because we populate a lot of online because it's like you maybe you're a bit socially isolated maybe you prefer written things yeah um like if you're um autistic and like chronic illness you know a lot of people like a lot of people are still isolating because of the Mm -hmm. pandemic and lack of um like social support yeah lack of like social support but like lack of like it's not safe for some people to go out but also some people are just a bit more housebound because of their energy levels anyway yeah so I just mean like a lot of people turn to online and there's a lot of people and it's like you know doctors don't do anything they can't help like I've been to like a pacing management course that's all I had for like me you know they just tell you to do less basically I was gonna say I bet that was so helpful (laughs) yeah and it's also like you had to wait like uh a year or a year and a half before I had it good pacing management that is yeah it would have been useful right at the beginning um because that was when I was working it out um but yeah I just mean like just because there is so many people online with these conditions it doesn't mean that it's like just it's a trend that people were like faking um for attention it's just it's really got things like twisted because as I've said like social stigma attached to autism you know chronic illness is really hard to work it's it's hard to like do the content creation and like keep up with things and be consistent yeah like why would you pretend you had these things and if the only attention you're getting is like people accusing you of faking and giving you unsolicited advice like why would you do that yeah. so yeah they are the the list of the big thing <laughs> that annoy me I think that was, it's really good to say that though, because there was a recent article in the Daily Mail that, you know, completely slammed people who were like, I'm chronically ill. And you're like, and there was basically the Daily Mail said that it's all a load of shit. 
don't even know how it got past the editors, if I'm being really honest, because there were just so many dangerous things that were inside that article. (laughs) Pardon? It's the Daily Mail. So like Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Like it's the Daily (laughs) Mail. Am I really that surprised? Probably not. (laughs) But I do I think what you're saying is so true is that these things aren't trends. These things are being recognized more. And like, it's almost because before we've not necessarily been given a space or people haven't spoken about it. Like when you think about the rise of Instagram Mm -hmm. and the good that it has done for the disabled community, really in particular, no wonder there is more eyes and more visibility on chronic conditions, on, you know, disability, on neurodivergence, because there is a space to share it now where there was not Mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, why people are getting, you know, on their height, is it up? on their haunches, on their somethings. Anyway, something like that. Yeah. They're getting annoyed because they can now, like, you know, these we now have a voice and we now have a space where we can share what the reality is. And if that reality doesn't fit into your reality, then you get pissed off. Well, mm. sorry, but like reality isn't the same for everyone. So like be a fucking adult about it. Pull your socks up and get on. Sorry. Exactly. The disabled community offends you. Get over yourself. <laughs> like we are here. We're not going anywhere else anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. I feel like also our visibility is a threat because it yeah. forces people to question things. So instead of questioning things, they're like, uh, you're lying, you're faking, you're making yourself ill because you want attention, um, blah, 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 blah. And also it's like, I think what really frustrates me is it's, it's mainly women that focuses on and it's also done by women like you know jk rowling i'm not gonna talk loads about her she's also (laughs) fed into this in her new book which obviously i haven't read but um it like it vilifies chronic illness and it's kind of what's contributed to some of these articles coming out um yeah so it's really frustrating i kind of lost my train of thought but (laughs) Honestly, do not I worry. think I said it, what I meant to say. I, might I think the point that you made, like, I understood what you were saying. So, like, I think that's a good sign. <laughs> I only have one final question for you, and that is, do you believe that you are disabled and proud? Yes, I do. Um, I think the one, one of the good things, actually, about becoming chronically ill is kind of like, and becoming a wheelchair user and stuff, like the classic symbol, I guess. Um, is like it's so undeniable now that I'm disabled like I need so many access things or I actually can't do something whereas before I feel like I was just kind of like trying to put up a bit with repercussions to myself but now I can't I feel like that has actually just led to like a quite powerful journey of like unlearning ableism and becoming like more proud in my disabled self as a whole Um, but I think also I want to say if people aren't disabled and proud like you know again not your fault um because you know I feel like the environment can also influence like how proud you feel like if there's a lot of ableism around you it's going to be harder you know and it's like if you're if you've got access to like more disabled visibility and obviously this why your podcast is good um (laughs) then you know that like really helps with your sense of pride but I think yeah I am really proud I'm proud of myself and I'm proud of like being part of the community that we're, that we're part of yeah. yeah amazing thank you so much for coming on today I have really enjoyed this conversation and I think it's going to be very insightful for a lot of people and I think all of your points have been explained absolutely brilliantly so I'm really looking forward to this coming out and yeah it's been really great to speak to you so thanks so much for coming on 
Cool. Well, thank you for organising. It's been really lovely speaking to you too. No worries. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disabled and Proud. If you've enjoyed the show, then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. It really helps us to reach more and more people each week. Plus, if you've got a particular highlight, then I'd absolutely love to hear it. Tag me on your Insta stories at Disabled and Proud Podcast. Oh, no.